Welcome to Ozarks Hates and Hooch. This ain't no fancy, academic, check your references kind of deal. We are two sisters from the Ozarks, sipping and spewing about Hanks, Hooch, and history. Hey everybody, welcome to Ozarks Hanks and Hooch. This is Dawn. I'm here with Dina. I'm here. Some people think we're the same person. We're not. We're we were not. just talking about that. Yeah, we no, may sound same. alike, but honestly, we look different. And anyway, so hey, we're here. Dina's got the big story. I am doing all the other housekeeping stuff. So let's jump right into that. Um, we have all the social medias, uh, specifically, fa- well, I guess we don't have all of them. Facebook and Instagram is what we have at Ozarks Haints and Hooch. We have a website. Please go to that. Um, uh, sorry for any cats and phones. That's what seems to be here because we're still in the same room in our mom's basement. Yeah. Like squeaky good chairs. Uh, we have squeaky chairs. Squeaky chairs. My cat's asleep on the bed, but he may get up and wonder what we're doing. Y'all, it is 10.22 in the morning. Yeah. The drink is tiny, and we're not sure we can even taste it. I'll get to that in a minute. But um, we're on all the podcast platforms. Please subscribe and give us five stars or thumbs up or whatever. Um, We release on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we have a Patreon. And again, you know, we're just going to keep saying, please help us until we can pay our bills and we're not quite there yet so please help us and i don't mean our personal bills i mean our podcast bills so if you want to pay for our personal bills we'll take that cool that is great yeah we'd both love to quit our jobs and do this full time um but anyway if you're listening to this and you can find an extra couple five dollars a month that would be great so if you go to patreon and you search ozarks haints and hooch our page comes up and you get some groovy stuff for donating and thanks to all our patrons um who've already donated we appreciate that um i am gonna i remembered what i was gonna say and i'm gonna say it to you live here on the or not live no it's not bad so i was looking at you know facebook I don't know. It stinks. And they keep changing the business page. Like if you've got a professional page like we do, Ozark Saints and Hoot, then to find freaking emails and messages, they keep changing it. So anyway, I missed a message, um, but it was great. It was from this man who said um, that... Our voices sound just like his relatives in Northwest Arkansas, duh. And that um, he lives in Montana, and when he listens to us, it reminds him of home. Oh, that's Isn't sweet. that sweet? It kind of made me yeah. tear up. I was like, oh, no, because I'm going back to South Carolina next week, and oh, my God, I dread it. Okay. Uh, so uh, that's all the housekeeping. Like I said, it's early in the morning. I just woke up. We went to a uh, high school football, football game, game last Woo-hoo. night, and then I couldn't go to sleep, and so uh, we're not I'm there for the football. Though we were there for the cute cheerleader. That is right. <laughs> that is right. And if you go to the Facebook page, my Facebook page, it uh, there's a picture of the actual thing. So, um, I was completely. <laughs> 
wrong about what Dina was talking about today. And so I gave mom the wrong picture. And thank God the cocktail matches it because really I was looking for a railroad one. Oh, yeah. There's no railroads in the making of this podcast. So, (laughs) this drink, and I'll I'll let Dina explain, um, is called the Hanging Lantern Cocktail. That is a big freaking glass. Look at that. So, here's the deal. I went by the recipe, and they've got it in a big glass, and I don't know how that works. Because here's what it says. I'm just going by the recipe. 60 milliliters of aged rum. Okay, that is two ounces or a shot glass. 15 milliliters of apple juice. That's nothing. That's half an ounce. 7.5 milliliters of honey syrup, which is a one-to-one ratio of honey and water. Two dashes of Agostura bitters and two dashes of orange bitters, which we didn't have. We had one of them. We didn't have the orange. Uh, It says, give a stir to combine and chill and then strain in a cocktail glass. Oh, here's the garnish. Garnish with a Cape gooseberry, uh, closely related to the Japanese lantern fruit. So when you do this, uh, you have, it's like a shot. So I don't know. Or two shots, maybe. It's like two shots. I maybe will look and see if there's another recipe somewhere else of the same thing. Because I think the the things are off this is from cooking to entertain.com get your shit together over there um it's fine dina doesn't like it because it's it's too rummy it's really rummy and it's 10 30 in the morning i have had a protein bar Mm. and some coffee (laughs) i had half a muffin and some coffee so so i you know i'm not i'm not in a big drinking mood it's also saturday I have a hair appointment in two hours, and then I have to go to work and play Aunt Molly tonight. Well, guess what? It's Saturday. I have a hair appointment in two and a half hours, and I got to work. I know. Not as much as you do, though. No, I have to be a. I have to be two different things today. I but to I got to pack. I mean, I've got to do, do stuff. You do have to do that. I know. You have days off this week to do that, though, don't you? Yeah, but Wednesday you have nights day. off. Well, you don't, because I'm having a party. Yeah, I don't have a. I don't have night off. <laughs> Okay. Monday night um, day. We're having small group for the first time in forever. Uh-oh. Monday night. Monday day, though. You got anything going on Monday day? I don't know. I have to look at my calendar. It's the 28th. Just excuse us a moment while we <laughs> hey, figure I out what we're one more day with her before she leaves. <laughs> no. It is so, it has come so fast. And I was telling a friend on the phone, I feel like I'm I don't even know the right adjective. I feel like I'm floating in space and I'm purposeless. Because, like, honestly, I'll just say it. I don't want to go back to South Carolina. But I also know that what I did this summer, I don't want to do that either. For I would love to do that, but perhaps not there. Yeah. Because there's, there's issues. <sighs> so, anyway, I just feel like I'm kind of floating in space and I don't have a direction. I guess we all go through hey, that me sometimes. Too. I, I'm there also. Yeah. Anyway. All right, let's talk about this. Let's talk about my do story. Do it. Let's do your story. Okay. And I'm going to go get lip stuff. My chair is going to squeak. Do what right. you're, say what you got to say. I'm going to say I'm going to start my stuff while she's walking away. That's rude, by the way, <laughs> but okay. I'm just walking uh, here. Well, so we all know about the Joplin Spook Light. If you live in this area, 
you've heard about the Jocelyn's Big Light. And in fact, our very first episode of our very first season was about Jocelyn's Big Light. Yep. And Dawn did that. I did. However, there are more spook lights in the Ozarks, which um, I guess I didn't really know that. I mean, I guess there's spook lights everywhere, but like there's stories about these spook so lights. So let me just interject that none of these have anything to do with the railroad. Nothing, nothing. Which the other ones did. So there you go. That's okay. my that's my deal. All right. Well, so I found a book on Scribed um, called Ozark Tales of Ghosts, Spirits, Hauntings, and Monsters, and it's by W.C. Jameson. And I've chosen four ghost light stories for you out of that book. Uh, each one um, has, I had to go through, listen, I had to go through the garage to find a lantern to take a picture of our drink, and I brought all of the spider webs back with me. So sorry, I have spider webs on my fingers, and I may be freaking out a little bit. It's I'll fine. tell you if you got if a bug on If I have, like, you. something on me, get it. Okay. So the common theme is the light is being originated from a lantern. That is the common theme for these four ghost stories. So I'm going to start with our neighbors in Oklahoma, which we don't talk much about Oklahoma. So here we go. We don't, and we're going to, because I like that state. And All right. This is the Miami ghost light. Miami, Oklahoma, and um, I will tell you, I think I say it again through here, but I'm going to tell you, I took this from the book. Like, I'm not trying to tell you that I wrote any of this. This is Mr. Jameson's words. Okay. But they're interesting. I think you'll like it. Miami, Oklahoma is located in the extreme northeastern corner of the Sooner State in Ottawa County. It is set among the picturesque rolling foothills of the Ozark Mountains, where pasture and woods dominate the landscape. On dark, misty, foggy nights, a strange light appears out in the middle of one of the pastures not far from Miami. A light that sways back and forth as it moves along approximately two to three feet above the ground. The light can be observed for several minutes at a time until it finally disappears around a grove of trees or simply vanishes. Called the Miami Ghost Light by area residents, the strange glow is all that remains of a very sad story. So here's this story. Late one winter evening during the 1930s, a widow peering from the dense fog that covered her pasture observed that her three cows had gotten out. On closer inspection, she noticed that a portion of the fence had been rocked knocked down and the cattle had walked through the opening returning to the house the wind widow lit a lantern handed it to her 14 year old daughter and sent her out into the dark to herd the livestock Let, back into the can field. i can i notate daughter this is not a railroad lantern this is just, <laughs> just a, a regular old lantern that you carry <laughs> that's right no railroads here <laughs> Okay, sorry. <laughs> the widow bundled the daughter up into sweater, coat, gloves, and a shawl. At least she put clothes on her and made her warm. 14 yeah. years old. Hey, go do this for me, would you? Yeah. I'm going to sit here by the by the fire. Wave goodbye to her as the young girl stepped off the plank front porch. The widow watched as the girl's form and the swinging lantern was gradually engulfed by the dense, swirling fog. Little could she have known that it was the last time she would ever see her daughter. After an hour passed and the cattle had not been returned to the field, the widow began to grow concerned. Really? Hmm, that's crazy. Another <laughs> hour went by and the girl had still not returned. Three hours later, the widow, now frantic, left the house in search for her daughter. The widow was still searching at sunrise but could find no trace of the girls. Oh, girl, just one girl. 
When the morning sun had finally burned away the fog, she ran to a neighbor's house and explained what had happened. The neighbor, enlisting the help of other families living nearby, undertook a systematic search for the young girl that lasted for several days and covered the woods and the fields for several miles around. She was never found. Oh. Um, cows were, though, interestingly well, enough. Well, thank God. Yeah. Uh, well, she was more worried about those cows anyway because she sent her 14-year-old daughter. I mean, I know it was a different age and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, as the years passed, the old widow grew insane from grief. Eventually, the old woman died and was buried in a nearby cemetery. Sorry, words. Three months following the burial of the old widow, a winter storm struck the area. Temperatures dropped, the skies turned gray, rain and snow fell for two days, and a dense fog enshrouded the hills and valleys. A man named Melvin Williams was a cattle farmer who lived in the area during that time. Late one evening, while he was out checking his livestock, Williams noticed a moving light several hundred yards away in the old widow's pasture. The light appeared to come from a swinging lantern and was traveling slowly across the field as though someone were looking for something. Uh. Curious, Williams crossed the field, climbed a fence, and entered the pasture. He kept his eye on the moving light the entire time and watched as it entered a nearby grove of trees. He finally came within a few feet of the strange light, and what he saw caused him to freeze with terror. The glow, similar to one that might come from a kerosene lantern, not a railroad lantern. They use kerosene, smarty. <laughs> hovered about two and a half feet above the ground, swinging back and forth, but no one was holding it. Hmm. Williams watched the pulsating glow for about 30 seconds when it suddenly disappeared. Shaken, he returned to his house and told his wife what he'd seen. Within a few days, nearly everyone in the community had heard the story of Melvin Williams' encounter with the mysterious ghost light. Several neighbors began arriving at the Williams farm each night to see if they could also view the strange glow in the distance. They were not disappointed. Night after night for three weeks, onlookers, sometimes numbering as many as 15 at a time, watched as a swinging lantern light glow slowly crossed the late widow's pasture and disappeared into a grove of trees. From that time on, the ghost light was seen occasionally, but always on dark, foggy nights. Okay, I have two things to say about that. Uh -huh. Look at this map. Uh, Miami, Oklahoma is 20, 23 miles from Hornet, and that is not as the crow flies, and Hornet's the Joplin spook light. Mm. So isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. So if there is a mothership that <laughs> sending out orbs, because that's my, theory. I think that's it's around there somewhere, right? All right. Well, here's we're going to talk about Harrison. So how far is Harrison from it? Uh, Harrison's quite a ways away. Let me, like Harrison is. I'm gonna have to. Harrison. We're looking. Sorry, yeah. while we look at the map. We're Here, looking I'm at the just map. Start talking yeah, about just start talking. Yeah, just start talking. Harrison's like wherever Branson is. It's like straight down. Yeah. All right. The Harrison ghost light. I'm gonna add it. Harrison, Arkansas residents tell a story of a mysterious ghost light that has been seen for well over a hundred years. This light appears at a second floor window of an old Civil War era home. The folks that live there say that though they have seen the light and have been surprised by it, they have never been harmed. This story's origin comes from the war and tells of a Confederate soldier stationed in Tennessee from Bear Springs, Arkansas, located a few miles northwest of Harrison. He received a message that his family's homestead had been attacked by some raiders who killed his mother and father. Frantic and consumed with grief and worry, he requested permission to return home. 
When he was denied, he simply deserted his infantry company one night and walked the entire distance from Tennessee to northwest Arkansas. Can you imagine not being able to go back after you were told that? Mm -mm. People. Mm -hmm. The exhausted soldier, after weeks of traveling, arrived at the home where he was born and raised. He entered the dark, quiet structure, lit a lantern. Not a railroad lantern. Just a regular old carry lantern. And began to search about. Like a Mandy Ford lantern. That's what I think when you say lantern. I think Mandy Ford lantern because she has to carry one on. Mom got the right picture and she is going to draw the right picture. All right. So, All right. He found nothing amiss until he reached his parents' bedroom, a second floor room facing the road. There, splattered across the hardwood floor, were dried bloodstains. Realizing at once that his mother and father had indeed been killed, the soldier, filled with grief and still holding the lantern, pulled a knife from his belt, raised it high above his head, and plunged it deep into his own heart. Late one evening the following week, a neighbor chanced to be passing by the house. Glancing up at one of the windows, he spotted what he described as a dim glow of a lantern, suggesting that someone was moving about inside. The neighbor had heard about the killings and knew that there should be no one in the house. Cautiously, he entered the structure, listening carefully for sounds of a prowler on the second floor, but hearing nothing. When the neighbor finally climbed the stairs and entered the bedroom, he found the body of the dead soldier, a knife sticking from his chest. Lying nearby was a lantern, unlit. When the neighbor placed a hand on the lantern, he found it cold, indicating it had not burned in several days and therefore could not have been the source of light he had just seen. Mm. Believing that the room to be haunted, the neighbor fled from the house and immediately reported the incident to authorities. Several months later, a neighbor was said to ride by the house with his wife. They noticed a light in the second floor and knowing that the home was vacant, the man went to investigate. (laughs) Why would you do that? All right. Because we're supposed to do that. We're ghost people. I know, but come on. And then he gets shot. Nowadays, you just get shot. Yeah, true. there's some, That's you know, right. vagrant living in the abandoned house. When entering the room on the second floor, he saw blood-splattered walls and a larger puddle on the floor. He was disturbed by the fact that the blood looked fresh. Dipping his finger into it, he realized it was still wet. That discovery caused him to quickly leave the home and speed away in his wagon. Many attempts have been made to remove the blood stains, but they continue to reappear no matter what type of cleaner or method is used. Huh. All right. right, I have two things to say about that. All right. First of all, imagine how hard it would be to to stab yourself in the heart through your breastbone. Yeah. Maybe. Have a little trouble. I think it would have been better if he cut his throat, right? Yeah, something. But okay. All right. My willing suspension of disbelief is... The other thing I wanted to say related to the last story, because I forgot, because honest to God, it's 1030 in the morning. Um, do you Did you ever hear the story mom told about our great-grandfather sending our grandfather out on horseback when he was nine to visit neighbors, and it took two days to get there nine? And he gave him a shotgun, and he said, don't veer off the path, and, and sent him out at nine years old. No. Our, our great-grandfather wasn't a very nice man no. anyway, but, I mean, I think people did that. Yeah. It's just like, okay, grow up. Yeah. There you go. Now you can work. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry. Oh, and Harrison is like three hours from the Miami Hornet area, so, yeah. All right. This next one is called The Lost Slave Light of Stone County. Unfortunately, slaves were quite common in the Ozark Mountains. 
Settlers would acquire large land holdings, and slaves were considered a necessity to handle the work of the livestock and cornfields. The next ghost light tells the story of one of these slaves who still appears today along the crest of Cow Mountain in Arkansas's Stone County. So this is not Stone County next okay. door. This is in Arkansas. Well, now i got to look for it. Okay. In the western part of Stone County, Cow Mountain. Look for Cow Mountain. I think it'll do that. Okay. Stone County, Arkansas. There we go. Okay. I don't know where that is. So, Mountain View. Okay. Um, in the western part of Stone County during the 1840s, one successful farmer boasted ownership of some 25 slaves, all of whom lived in shanties along the north-facing slope of Cow Mountain near the present day town of Mountain View. Okay. There you go. On the southern side of the mountain lived another group of slaves owned by a neighboring landowner. One spring, there was a great feasting and revelry when the daughter of Ephraim Williams, the black patriarch of the North Slope slaves married a young man from the South Slope. The newlyweds were well-liked by both the blacks and whites and even the owners of the two plantations, along with their families, attended the wedding ceremony. At the conclusion of the festivities, arrangements were made with the owners and the couple went to live in the South Slope community. Approximately nine months later, Ephraim Williams received word late one night that his daughter was about to give birth to her first child. Wishing to be by her side when his new grandchild arrived, Ephraim awakened his wife and told her he was going to climb the mountain and cross over to the other side to the South Slope community. He said he would return with the news about their grandchild as soon as possible. When the dawn of the following morning finally burned off the fog, several North Slope slaves gathered. That's so slope slaves. Yeah, that's hard. Right after a shot of Uh rum, gathered at the end of the trail to await the return of Ephraim. Around noon, they spotted someone walking down the path. A shout rang out in the small community announcing the impending arrival, and soon residents began gathering in anticipation of seeing Ephraim. When the visitor was still a hundred yards in distance, the North Slope residents could see that it was not Ephraim, but a resident of the South Slope community. As the visitor approached the gathered slaves, he proudly announced the birth of a strong and healthy son to the happy couple. When the North Slope slaves asked of the whereabouts of Ephraim, the surprised visitor stated he had not seen him, that the old man never arrived at the village. For several days, the ridge and slopes of the mountain were carefully searched, but Ephraim Williams was nowhere to be found. Late one night, several weeks after the disappearance of Ephraim Williams, the North North Slope slaves were awakened by someone calling excitedly from the base of the mountain. Thinking it might be Ephraim, they ran out of their cabins to investigate. Instead, they found Ephraim's brother, Joshua, and he was pointing at something up on the ridge. There at the crest of Cow Mountain, the slaves could see what appeared to be a lantern light moving as though carried by someone walking along the trail. Two men ran past Joshua and up the path, their intention to approach the moving light to see if it was being carried by Ephraim. Sometime later, when they came to with only 20 feet of the glow, it disappeared. 
Most sightings occurred on foggy evenings, and the story told throughout the region created the light as coming from the lantern carried by the ghost of Ephraim Williams still trying to find his way across the mountain. Okay, so look at that. I'm going to put this picture, one of us will, okay. on the website. But there's Cow Mountain. I mean, you can't really tell what the um, elevation is. But anyway, that's, yeah. I assume, a road, yeah. which was probably the what old trail. Yeah. yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. a good picture. Yeah. Yeah, now it's all timber. Well, I don't know. It's all timber. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there are old foundations and stuff. Huh. Okay. Cool. That's, all right. That's interesting. All right. I think this is the last one. All right. This is the Laura Tinsley Ghost Light. And we're back in western Oklahoma now. During the decade of the 1890s, the Tinsley Farm in western Oklahoma was the home to a herd of fine cattle, a few horses, and about a dozen goats. Herbert L. Tinsley regarded himself as a hard worker, a devoted family man, and a knowledgeable cattleman. His cattle were the pride of that part of the Ozark Mountains, and he maintained a profitable and somewhat satisfying business on the side of selling horses as riding stock. The goat herd belonged to Tinsley's younger daughter, Laura. He had given her a kid as a pet two years earlier, and Laura became fascinated with the animal. She proved to be adept at caring for the goat and asked her father if she could start her own herd. He agreed, and during the next few months, he added does to her herd that he acquired in trade with neighbors and customers. Laura kept a favorite, that being the first goat given to her by her father. She named him Henry and he would follow her everywhere she would go. As Henry grew older, he began to wander, and Laura would have to go into the woods and search for him. It began happening so much that she had tied a bell around his neck so that she could follow the sound when he would disappear. One autumn evening, Henry went wandering, and when Laura went to check on her goats, she noticed him missing. Laura returned to the house and told her mother and father she was going to go look for Henry. Since the sun had nearly set, her mother insisted she take a lantern with her. With her father's help, Laura lit the lantern and ran out of the house toward the woods in search of Henry. He helped her light the lantern, but not search for the goat. Yeah. Just yeah. making a note of that. Herb Tinsley seated himself on the front porch, lit his pipe, and relaxed from his day's chores in the darkness as he watched the lantern light bobbing away in the distance. Tinsley caught sight of the lantern moving through the far woods as he passed through a portion of where the trees were thinly spaced. For almost an hour, he watched the movements of the light in the woods until it finally disappeared. For another hour, Tinsley sat on the porch waiting for his daughter to return with Henry, but there was no sign of her. He rose and scanned the distance for some sign of the light, but he saw none. Concerned, he left the porch and walked across the field into the woods in search of her. Did they only have one lantern? I guess. Okay. All night long, Herb Tinsley looked for his daughter, calling her name until he was hoarse. He never found her. At sunrise, the rest of the family, along with several neighbor neighbors, joined in the search and thought they looked... Thought? No. Though. Though they looked <laughs> for the young girl the entire day, she was never found. 24 hours, that's all you got, Laura. Sorry. Yeah. The legend goes that even to this day, as summer fades to autumn, the light appears in the woods as Laura searches for her lost Henry. Okay, I have two things to say about that. <laughs> I knew you would. Uh, number one, I bet she fell into a cave. 
And number two, where is this? He said Western Oklahoma, which isn't even in the Ozarks. He must mean the West, because then he goes on to say it's the Ozarks. So he must say the Western part of of the the mountains, I guess. Because the Ozarks only like it. It doesn't go to Tulsa. I mean, it's kind of low here, you know, wherever Tahlequah is. It's sort of, see that right there? Mm -hmm. That's the border of the river. The Illinois River, I believe. So that western part, what's that part of the western part right there? Wagoner. It's west of Tahlequah, Muskogee, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, those were good. And what is the moral of this story? Don't send your daughter out with your only lantern. <laughs> in the middle of the night. She'll fall in a cave and she won't come back. And then you got to go walk to town and get a new lantern. Yeah. Well, interesting. That So... I know you said on a couple of them, but can you still see them, or they were just yes, visible? Yes, they are supposed for... to, as of whenever this book was written. Well, it's probably 1959. No, it wasn't. It's not that. Oh. Um, look, I have it pulled up right here. I can tell you as soon as my computer. Okay. Um, Two, three, four. Yeah. All right. I don't That's know okay. why Well, not... when it pops up, we'll. Okay, here we go. Um, Tales Copyright. 2007. Oh, okay. So it's not that. I mean, it is still. Okay. But anyway, there may be more stories from that book because um, he talks about ghosts and hauntings and monsters. So I'm probably going to read that whole book and I might have more stories later from that. I was going to look up um, Herbert Tinsley. I should have done this beforehand. So let me just say that we had talked about doing something else and then Dawn you know, gave me three days notice that that was not going to happen. And that's not how my world works because from Tuesday to Saturday I work and I don't have any free time. Like literally I don't have any free time. So I had to throw this together Tuesday morning before I went to work. So um, I, I would have normally done some more. So let me just warn you all because I, I've gone back to work now. I've been teaching online. Uh, um, and I'm getting ready to go back to South Carolina and work. And so honestly, truly, we may only be able to do this once a month for a while till Dina, her job sort of gets settled and I kind of get my act together up there. All right. Well, we may have updates. Um, there also aren't going to be a lot of pictures. Um, when you go look at the website, there just wasn't. Uh, but I'm going to put that picture of Cal Mountain mm-hmm. for sure. And maybe if you could snap a picture of the front page of the book so that... Um, I, I put a... I put a... It's in the... Okay, I haven't even looked. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay, let us just discuss what we're planning to do with this podcast on the air. Not really. Um, thank you all for listening. I realized that this one was a little bit crazy, but it's early and we're a little bit crazy so uh we promise to be better um leave us uh no, don't lie to them we promise to do our best we <laughs> oh, don't that's promise nice. to be better but we promise well, I, to do our best i feel like we have been better i feel like we could do better than this 
Um, what are you saying? May, what are you saying? I mean, to uh, you, the whole deal. Like, I wasn't prepared either. That stupid drink. I should have looked that up. Um, I didn't even drink it. I took one sip of it. I can't do the rum at before noon. I can't oh, do it. God, somebody takes it for the team because I shot mine <laughs> because it was like half a shot and it wasn't very uh, good. Only on only on a cruise ship can I drink before noon. Yeah. Uh, that's because time doesn't mean anything. Uh-huh. But I'll go look. But honestly, while Dina was talking, I was kind of looking. And that's the only recipe I found. So I think the ingredients with more apple juice might have been good. Anyway. Yes, it was a lot of rum. It was a lot of rum. All right. Thank you again. Uh, find us on all the uh, podcast platforms. When you find us, if you like it, please leave us stars and thumbs up and all of that. Go to our social media and talk to us. We really love to hear what you guys think. And maybe you have um, ideas for other stories. We typically release twice a month, although we may go to once a month for this month. We have a website. Go there. We have a Patreon. Please support us so that somebody else can do all the stuff we don't like to do. (laughs) And uh, I guess we'll say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. And remember... If you liked it, tell all your friends. But if you didn't, keep your big mouth shut. shut.